0: And yeah, I feel like, oh, hang on, I have a, a delivery one second. <laughs> this is the Big Moves Podcast. I'm your host, Devin. Each episode, I'll sit down with a special guest who's made a big move, traveling with the intention of living somewhere else, those short-term moves with long-term impact. In the 90s, my parents packed our mellow little family up and moved from Toronto to Australia for a year, and it has totally influenced the way I travel, the way I live, and the way I define home. So grab the tiniest bag of pretzels you can find, ensure your tray table is locked in the upright position, relax, and enjoy the Big Moose Podcast. Laney Alton, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Nice to be um, here. Again, I was realizing that podcast is maybe one of the only things you haven't been famous on yet. One of the only media outlets. If uh,
1: lies, actually. That's a lie.
0: <laughs> I looked up, I was going to introduce you, but I looked at your um, little Facebook like one-line bio and it said, Mom of Twins, Cheese Enthusiast, Famous on the Internet. And I was like, well, that sums it up better than
1: I could have <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I—that's I, what I—that's on my business card.
0: <laughs> it's the only titles you have. The only ones I'm using. Um, and we've known each other for a, you know, a long time now. Probably.
1: Well, I've known you a
0: baker's dozen of years or something.
1: That's probably exactly how long, because Brian and yeah. I got married. Uh, well, it will be our. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> my husband and I have <laughs> I been married <laughs> for it'll be twelve years uh, next month. And crazy. I started rehearsals for You're in Town the fall following my wedding. So, right. October of that year. So, and yeah, so, so we, I met so you we're like also in coming the theater. up an
0: important anniversary is what you're saying. Well, you <laughs> it's and just I as important. Yeah.
1: But your, yeah, yours and my relationship coincides with that of my marriage and I, I love uh, and I think that I think that makes a lot of sense.
0: <laughs> it does totally. Um and we talk about anything and everything you know. Oh, more lies, things. More things than all the things. <laughs> but the only thing we don't really ever talk about other than the trip that we've taken, which was to Vegas. So we can't talk about that because, you know, the rules, what happens there stays there. But <laughs> you uh, you travel a lot. Did you travel a lot as a kid or did you sort of just start that as an adult? Or
1: uh, I no, I mean, yes and no. I did a big trip with my mom and my grandmother when I was I want to say eight, I think I was nine years old. Um, okay. And that was, it was just a girl's trip. My mom, my grandmother, and me went to uh, England for five days and then Paris for five days and then back to England again for five days because I have this family. My mother's brother uh, moved to England when he was 21 and so uh, they tried to get over there as much as possible and so it was a chance for my grandmother to see her son and me to sort of meet my cousins in person because I don't know that I had met them at that point no of course I had um but uh it was I guess just an, o- an opportunity for me to get away without nice. my brothers yes so it was right. girls only trip <laughs> that's key. yeah which and I, I think like my brothers still too. yeah and like I think my brothers still probably are pissed that they weren't invited to come yeah did yeah. they have
0: like a, co- a coinciding boys trip with your dad? Or Absolutely
1: not. Poor <laughs> oh, buddies. Not at all. However, we did have like a family cottage at the time and I hated going to the cottage. So at least I, maybe they felt like, well, that was their thing. That was, sure. that was a boys thing to do. Let's go get, you know, leeches stuck to our feet and uh, touch <laughs> frogs and worms for fishing. Which was wasn't, wasn't quite as appealing to you. Not right? as appealing as like eating in France. Yeah, no. No, Amazing. And yeah, I
0: feel like, Oh, hang on. I have a, a delivery. <laughs> you know would happen. You're not going to, you're Sorry. not going to edit that out, right? No,
1: say no that was, um,
0: okay. So nine, I feel like is a great age to sort of start to realize how fun traveling is, you know, and like, yeah, remember it and have real, real, like vivid memories of a trip, which is kind of cool
1: for sure. And I do, but I don't remember as much as I wish I did. Um, yeah. Like, I remember we went to Mamanca in Paris and I had my portrait drawn by one of the, the artists who all congregate in that sort of main area. Um, yes. And the, the portrait of me at nine years old or eight years old looks not, well, I mean, it looked like me, but it almost looks like me now. Like when we brought it home, it was always like, that's a 40-year-old Lainey. That's not <laughs> That's not an eight-year-old child. <laughs> and uh, and, it, and maybe it, they
0: were like, they were seeing into the future. Maybe.
1: <laughs> it, yeah, maybe. Maybe that was it. But I remember that we um, we stayed in this hotel in Paris called uh, L'Hotel des, des Flandres. And it's at the ho- ho- Flanders Hotel, and I was thought it sounded like philanderer. That's the like <laughs> hotel. Of Flanders. I, knowing, <laughs> looking back on it, I mean hindsight's twenty twenty, and looking back on it, it, it makes a lot of sense because we went into <laughs> this room. We had our room was number thirty one, and like again, things about this trip so long ago that I remember clearly is that yeah. the front desk. Uh, they didn't let you leave the hotel with your room key. You had to leave the key at the front desk. So every time we got there, we would have to check in. And then they would start oh to get to know us, and they would call me Mademoiselle and whenever we got there. And so they would give me the key and say, ah, Madame, Mademoiselle Trantayan, here you go. And um, and we would, and in the room, it was like um, Goldilocks and the Three Bears, where there was three beds that couldn't have been more than a foot apart each. <laughs> And no walking space whatsoever. And one bed was basically like lying on wood. The other bed was like just right. And then there was the other bed that was so soft. We would, if we all laid on that bed, we would like tumble together into the middle. (laughs) It's ridiculous. Amazing.
0: Yeah. I don't know about you too, but I like along with those really like specific memories. I also think I make up a lot of memories from photos. So I think a lot of my earlier travel memories are actually just like I remember that, but I remember it because I used to pour over our photo albums. As for kids, sure. So I think that's a big part of it. Um, so what we're going to talk about today? You made a sort of longer, big move for a short-term relocation kind of deal. Um, to I'm going to say
1: it wrong, Chesham to it is chesham that <laughs> is that is how uh, how it is pronounced is chesham that's how it's spelled c h e s h a m but uh, i think colloquially there are some older folks who might say chesham because right, uh, right. the town is in the ham of the river chess so technically oh, okay. it is So the, either one
0: is acceptable?
1: Yes, i think so. I think formally okay. it might be chesham but I think it goes. I think it's just- also
0: easier to say if you do it with a British accent, like Trushum, because
1: you're shifting forward
0: more in your mouth. Yeah, <laughs> true, it's true. Um, amazing. So I want to talk about that, but before we get into that, we're gonna get to know you as a traveler. <laughs> so I'm gonna <laughs> do like a, a lightning round question round. Oh, um, so we can get a feel for how you travel. The runway the rundown. The rundown. The rundown. So, are you super early, on time, or
1: late for flights? super early. Wait, okay. hold on. Now, is this now? Or is this like 10 years ago? Like, or is this 20 years in ago? General is this sense. for work? Okay, I'm gonna say early.
0: Okay. I like that there's qualifying. I'm, so gonna, say I'm
1: okay. gonna say on time. I'm gonna say on time. Split the difference? Okay. Yeah. I know a lot of people uh, who a- would question that, but I'm gonna say on time. <laughs> are you a carry on only or overpacker? Uh, I am. I am both of those things. If I'm traveling for work, I am a carry on only. If I'm yeah. traveling for leisure, I am a ridiculous overpacker.
0: Yeah, like wear half the outfits that you take just yeah. cause. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, what's your guilty pleasure at the airports, or something you buy or do while you're there? Um,
1: Yeah, I love airports. Like I, lo- I love it. I love eating at airports. I love sitting in airports. I love taking advantage of free Wi-Fi. I love getting my <laughs> shoes shine. So when I was traveling for work. Uh, a lot, which I don't do anymore, but I would always get my shoes shined at the airport because I Amazing. just, I loved it. I thought it was so cool. And there was one time where uh, I was sitting next to this sort of bald man beside me and he and I were both getting our shoes shined and, um, the bald guy finishes, pays the guy, gets up and leaves. And my shoe shiner looks up and says, do you know who that was? And I was like, no. And he goes, that's the guy, the dragon, you know, the, the dragon guy. And I was like, who do you mean? <laughs> and, and. You know it's it's funny that like the, his name is escaping me actually right at this moment which
0: oh, sh- Kevin Leary the Kevin Leary right? Kevin yes. Leary that's who it was <laughs>
1: nice. and uh yeah no it was it was Kevin Leary sitting beside me but I imagine that that probably happens to a lot of people who get their shoe shine because it seems like such a classy airport thing to do
0: you know totally I don't know that I've ever had my shoe shine so yeah it's like a oh it's, it's a oh thing. you
1: should you should try it I'm telling <laughs> you time.
0: Whenever airports are back in my life, um, what's <laughs> or any your, of our lips. yeah. What's your sort of must-have airport snack?
1: Uh, licorice all sorts. Oh my gosh! I'm 90 Those years are old. Love
0: them or hate them. Yep. kind of treat. Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: I'm 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 a hundred, and I'm proud of <laughs> yeah. it.
0: So I don't yeah. care. My grandma used to have a little candy jar like at her house and whenever we'd go to visit, we used to like, I, I always thought she didn't know that we knew that that was there. It was like, we thought it was off, even though she did it obviously for us, but the days when she had licorice, all sorts were the worst. The days when she had Smarties were the best.
1: Oh man. I
0: love those <laughs> you things. Should have, you should have been there those days.
1: Um, are you a window seat, aisle seat or middle seat window all the way? hundred percent. I don't care yes. how long the flight, I will disrupt you seven times if I need to, but I am sitting on that window. <laughs> And are you like the chatty neighbor or the sleepy, leave me alone neighbor? Sleepy, leave me alone. Unless, uh, yeah, I would say I'm sleepy, leave me alone. But because for me, I always think about the, and I'm really social, as you know. But uh, for me, I always think about the what happens after you become chatty. Does the person then want to chat forever? Do they, you know, I like to chat just enough to make a relationship where I could, you know, feel comfortable tapping them if they... If the flight attendant comes by or like, I won't feel so guilty going to the bathroom five times, um,
0: friendly, but not friends, friendly, but (laughs) not friends. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, there was, there's definitely been a time. I mean, there have been a couple of times where I've struck, I mean, I once struck up a business deal with the person beside me, (laughs) um, and I, and I went back to work, uh, the next day and my, my boss was super impressed and proud and made an example of me in front of the whole company to be like, nice. this is the kind of employee we need. Like just chatting <laughs> up strangers on, on airplanes and like, this is how you make business. Um, but yeah, otherwise not, not so much. Cause I just, okay. I just want to, I just
0: want to have my headphones in. And you're right. It depends on the length of the flight. Like one hour beside someone chatty is totally different than 18. Yes, exactly. Um, what's your drink service drink?
1: I actually don't really drink on planes,
0: but like, no, I think, you know, I like open a water, a water. I'll anything. have water. That's yeah, it.
1: Maybe a water. coffee, maybe a coffee when I wake up, but yeah, <laughs> it's like, I don't want, I don't want plain coffee. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not good. Yeah. Uh,
0: pretzels or a cookie.
1: Oh, I mean, I, I don't know, man. It's, it depends. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I'm the, I'm the one who'll take advantage of the system and be like, ah, can I get both? And right. like, I'll wink at the flight attendant, and she'll wink at me, and we'll be like, "Okay, just f-
0: <laughs> now we're buds. Now we're." Um, and what is your on a longer flight? What's your preferred in-flight entertainment? Are you a listener, a watcher, a sleeper? What uh,
1: I am all of the above. I will listen to podcasts. I will watch a movie, and I will sleep. I won't sleep nice. well, but I'll sleep. Right.
0: Okay. I love it. See, now we know. We just have to set the scene for you your traveling adventures. <laughs> So when you made the move to the UK, set the scene for us a little bit. When was it, you know, where were you at in life? Why did you decide to go and why that place?
1: In December of 2003, I lost my boyfriend of a year and a half to cancer. Um, It took him really quickly and it was all a big, horrible year and a half and nothing that a 31-year-old man should have to go through. And likewise, nothing a 24-year-old woman should have to go through.
0: (laughs) exactly
1: so or anyone for that, or anyone but for yes. that but yeah, yeah no for sure but I mean to be a, a, essentially a widow at, at 24 which is what I felt like it was just sort of yeah. a really uh it was a really hard year and I um when it was over I kind of didn't really know what to do with myself because all my all of my hobbies everything that I did in the world was all dedicated to him and so once it ended there was some catharsis in knowing that my life was mine again Mm -hmm. Um, and I didn't have to deal with his crazy family and I didn't have to deal with anything anymore. Um, and at the time I was living with, uh, my friend Megan and, um, her and I were also not really getting along so well at that point, just because I think I had spent so much time away from the apartment. And so I wasn't really pulling my weight and she was trying to help me, but she was also traveling for work a lot. And so when she wasn't home, I just kind of I think I changed during that time. And, and then every time we were in the apartment together, it was just tension all the time. So her and I decided we had had enough also, and we needed to move apart from each other. So this all kind of happened at the same time as me making a decision that I want to go and move to Australia. I was like, I'm going to get a work visa. I'm just going to go. I wish I had somebody to go with. Uh, I'm going to start asking friends. Mm-hmm. And I started asking around and I found this one friend who I had gone to college with. We were really close during college. Um, we were both kind of the smarty pants who sat up at the front. And um, and she's just like, oh, that's so crazy. Like, I was thinking I was going to go traveling for a year, too, um, like, and get a work visa. Like, would you want to go together? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, okay, but I want to go to the UK. And I was like, well, hmm. I mean, <laughs> I just need to get out of here. So, right. I kind of don't care where we go. I just need to leave. Um, and I have family in the UK, so why the hell not? Let's do it. So, um, we started planning for this trip and it was a great excuse for me to move home at that point, uh, to start saving some money. So I was working, I saved a ton of money. Um, and we set the date, uh, for the end of May of that year to go. Um, and during that time, uh, I guess it would have been, I think I'm getting my timing wrong, but there's a, um, uh, I don't know. There's like a, there's like a half year in here that's getting lost. But in any case, okay. I, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, like I know we were going to, we were going to, we were set to leave in, in May of twenty twenty or 2004. Tony died in December, 2003. I started dating Brian in December of 2004. So there was a full year right. between Tony dying and me starting to date Brian where I was uh, basically like living with Megan or re- relationship was deteriorating. I just needed a hobby. My dad set me up with this like theater group and yeah. that's how I met Brian and also reconnected with Michelle. When Brian and I first started dating, the idea was we're only going to date for a couple of months because... I'm leaving. leaving. I am. I was literally working through the process of getting my work visa at that time. We knew I was leaving that May.
0: This is such a like classic, right? Classic thing when you're like someone's leaving and then you
1: meet the person. Yeah, of course, of course. And the night before I was scheduled to leave, uh, you know, he drops the love bomb on me, and Uh I was like, God damn it! (laughs) Yeah, I love you too. Fine. And we basically said to ourselves, like, look, we're breaking up, and this is over. So you go, yeah. you, you know, sow your oats and do your thing. Uh, we're both free. And if, you know, it's like, if you love something, set it free. If it comes back, it's yours. And, uh, and so that's what did happened. Did you have
0: a, did you have a length in mind? Like, did you have an end date or no? Was it oh, kind of just a.
1: Yeah. We had work happens. visas for two years and we were intending to use two years. the so whole that's thing. That's longer
0: than a lot of people, right? Yes. Okay.
1: Yep. We used something called the swap program um, which I have no idea if it still exists, but we did it right. and you could only take advantage of it up until you are like, I think 29 years old. Right. Um, there's still something similar for sure. Like that age cutoff. Is yeah, still, yeah. Yeah. Still a thing. So I was 26 at the time and my friend was 27. Um, and so we were also old enough at that point that when we planned our trip, we were like, you know, the, the idea of the trip was that we were going to Go and live in the UK, but we were going to take that first month and just do our crazy backpacking and get that out of the way for like a month, sure. get like a first class rail pass all over Europe, go crazy, backpack, the whole thing, and then come back and settle in London, get jobs, find men with accents, get married, have children. The dream. Yeah. <laughs> just, you know, marry a prince, that whole thing. Yeah. yeah. So that was the plan. Um, and the first part of that plan worked out very well. Uh, well, very well. Sort of in that we, um, you know, we we went to we got to England, and my cousins were kind enough to let us stay with them for that first uh, few days until we were ready to go on our big backpacking trip, where we were going to leave the majority of our luggage and just take our backpacks and then go off for a month. And then when we got back, the idea was to stay there until we found a place and a job, and move out and go live in London for the rest of the time. Yeah, Michelle and I had. A, a tough time together, um, while we were traveling, uh, to the point that I am, uh, it's now been, uh, 15 years since I've, since that trip. And I have not spoken to her since
0: traveling with people is, is hard. It's gotta be the right people. Like that's a very important match to make, right?
1: Yeah, it was really hard. And, um, you know, I think her and I just had two very, it's funny, we spent months and months Planning this thing together and being excited for the same things and being excited for the same cities and and right. you know we were really good classmates together and because we both sat at the front and we were both you know really keen on on getting good grades and being on the honor roll and you know we we just sort of assumed we had the same frame of mind about a lot of things, um, sure. but you know as we started traveling together it became very clear that that was not the case and I I, I should also say I have no ill will towards Michelle I think she was a big part yeah. of my of my growth and. Yeah. You know, we just weren't great travel partners, but I know that she's a good person. And and I know that her travels took her to some amazing places because once she went off to yeah. London, um, she ended up working in a hostel and made some incredibly close friends there, one of whom I think I met once. So that's actually not true. I have seen Michelle since then, but not often. I think maybe once or twice. Um, I also think that, you know, every city we went to, it was, um, you know, we we had different goals. I'm like... Let's look, let's do sightseeing, let's go shopping, let's meet people, let's go to pubs and, and like have long conversations about how people live in these different cultures and, you know, let's, and, and do wild, crazy things. Mm. Like, you know, let's trust this person to take us to this place and whatever. Michelle's, uh, goal for the most part, I Mm -hmm. think what it seemed like was like, okay, who am I going to have sex with in this city? Interesting, and and you know, Devin, you know
0: both valid ways to travel. Absolutely,
1: absolutely, no. And I do not. And this is in no way slut shaming because, man, good for her. But what it did was it made me a wingman. Hey, hey, Devin, this is probably why I became so good at being. You know, I am.
0: You're a great
1: wingman. This is this was this was training grounds for my. (laughs) for my amazingness, uh, my prowess as a wingman, but, but really what I ended up, I I ended up being sort of like the fallback person, no matter where we were. So we'd go to some bar, you know, we would order our first drink. She'd find some guy at the opposite end of the bar and be like, I'm going to talk to him. And that was it. She'd be gone. And I am a very independent person. I'll talk to anybody. I don't care. I have no reservations about being alone, uh, in a bar or anything like that. Like I can hold my own. Um, And and maybe that's something I learned as a result of that trip. I don't know. But I just remember just being so kind of disheartened and annoyed and just like, oh, she's leaving me again. Like, go on, have your, you know, I'll just be in the other room while you put the scrunchie on the door kind of thing. So yeah.
0: And I think that's a hard, like the age, ages you were at, like, that's a very pivotal time in my life. Anyway, that was a very pivotal time for like female friendships in general, right. Without adding the stress of, um, traveling and all these things and, and trying to figure out where you're going to live and right, all of these different elements. Like even when you're just at home, everybody's sort of going through these weird life changes and things start going in different directions than you think. And friendships change and right. All of those elements
1: add up to like, it's hard to maintain. So for sure. For sure. And I mean, you know, this is sort of when you start to wonder whether you're the problem too, because it's like, you know, I had just moved out of my apartment with Megan because her and I were bugging each other. Um, Another friendship that I, another close friendship, female friendship that I had had, had ended recently uh, because I found out one of my best friends had been stealing from me. And so that friendship disappeared. And so it was just like, you know, all of these female friendships I, I had at that time sort of seemed to be falling apart and crumbling. And that's when you start to wonder, what am I doing? Like I'm the common en- totally. I'm the common denominator here. Have I, and so, yeah. you know, that's really difficult when you, yeah. when you feel like that. Yeah. Interesting.
0: So when you, okay, so you sort of did that first month or however long together and then sort of parted ways. And then where did you end up from there? How did you spend the rest of your time over there?
1: So I think because of how frustrating the whole backpacking experience was with her. Um, I I kind of just let her take the reins on the, on the research side when we got back to get us out, or, or to get herself out of the city, or out of, sorry. I relied on her to get out of the small town first and go to London and find her place because we knew sure. we weren't going to go together. We knew that this was going to be right. individual from this point on. There was sort of an right. unspoken... Uh, agreement that we were not going together, um, right. and so she spent her days looking for roommates, looking for apartments, going for job interviews. Um, and I just kind of hung back at my cousin's house and like kind of got to know my cousins a bit and right. just sat around a lot. like I, I think I was in a bit of a I, I, had, I was already in a bit of a funk at that point uh, because sure. of just the way it all felt um but the actually the one of the crazy things though that happened during that time where we were both still living uh at my at my aunt's place was that um it was the year it was the summer it was the July of the London Underground uh bombings oh crazy and so both of us upon getting back from our uh backpacking we're both like we need to get our hair done and so my cousin's like, well, you're in the UK. You have to go to Tony and Guy. Tony and Guy is the best. And, <laughs> and Michelle's like, oh, I've heard about Tony and Guy. Tony and Guy is the best. I have to go there. So Michelle makes us reservations or makes us appointments to go and get our hair done at Tony and Guy in London. But they okay. couldn't do them on the same day. There was one on the 6th and one on the 7th of July. Okay. Mine was supposed to be on the 7th. Hers was supposed to be on the 6th. On or for, for whatever reason. And I, I like I cannot remember why. But we had to swap appointments at the last minute. Okay. I took the earlier appointment. She did the later one. So I went to my appointment at Tony and Guy on the 6th. And she went on the 7th and was in the train, was in the underground when the bombings happened.
0: Oh my gosh!
1: Um, and it could have been me, and it's just it's got it's goosebumps. Still, yeah, still uh... it still eats away at me. But I mean, she and of course she was fine. She was nowhere near it. Uh, she had passed through where it had happened because I think mm-hmm. it happened at um, oh I can't remember which station it was now. But um, well, it was a couple. Um, it was at Baker Street. Uh, I can't remember. Anyway, we can we can look we can it, look I'll it up. Check, yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll fact check that. Um, but yeah, so she, it took her I think four hours to get home afterwards where like she had to go from bus to bus to bus to bus to bus and chesham is about 45 minutes on the metropolitan line outside of london proper so imagine how long that would have taken going bus to bus and waiting when the entire subway system is completely shut down
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so it was it was pretty intense for her that day um that's a lot yeah. Your
0: hair, would, your hair would look terrible. About and it. her oh. hair would have looked awful.
1: I mean, God. Like, nobody terrible. even cared about the hair after that. No, but, of I, course, but yeah. I got mine done the day before and I felt really good about it. So, you know. Good.
0: That's what matters in this story. Um, So when you, uh, had you been, you'd been to visit those, those, those family members and do you feel like that made you sort of more apt to stay there and did it make you feel like a little bit more, it was part of home and felt closer to home or did it feel pretty isolated to be there?
1: No, it felt very much, uh, like home. Um, so my, okay. So my uncle, uh, his name is Errol and he's my dad, my mom's brother. Mm -hmm. And he moved out there when he was 21, got married to this lovely British tulip, like just a a British flower, (laughs) an English flower is what they call it, right? Nice, Nice. Uh, Named Maggie. And they have two daughters, Beshley and Verity. And uh, Besh is, I think, two years younger than me. And her and I are so similar in so many ways. And we've always gotten along really, really, really well. And so the idea of me coming and living with her for a little while was so exciting because we Mm -hmm. didn't really have that much of a relationship up until that point. We knew each other. And like, you know, every three or four years, like either they would come to Toronto or, well, that was it. It was that they would come to, they would come to Toronto. We would never, I don't think I've ever been to the UK with my whole immediate family. We just never did that kind of traveling, uh, as a kid. Like we did road trips to Florida and that's, that's kind of it. Other than that one, trip with my mom and right, grandmother. Trip. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, so, so Besh and I got to know each other really well during that time. And Besh has this massive group of friends because Chesham is so small. It's, you know, it's a s- properly small farming community. Like it's a small town. Mm-hmm. It was built in like the 10th century. It's, you know, it's just a, such a quintessential little tiny one high street sort of town. There's a Waitrose and a Sainsbury's and a Costa Coffee. And then there's the town church and, you know, a bunch of pubs lining these curvy, curvy roads with the trees kind of uh, all leaning in over the over the roads. And the roads are so narrow, some of them that you have to pull over as people are trying to get by because it's just the roads are are wide enough for one tiny little car. Um, So, you know, and I think that there was some appealing aspect of that kind of life. For me, outside of the fact that, I mean, I can tell you my two other big reasons were A, I didn't want to have anything to do with Michelle. So I did not want to go to London. But two, I think I had gotten really lazy. I think that that was one of the times in my life where I can say I was actually for real going through a depression.
0: Like, well, that's what I was going to say. You can probably look at it less like lazy and more like just lost a little bit, right? Like, where do I, what am I doing? Where am I going? You and essentially you had lost one partner and then found another one and also sort of said goodbye to him in a weird way, right? Yeah, so yeah. that's a pretty big thing to go through in that year and a half stretch. So
1: for sure. Yeah. And I think that was sort of what was happening. And so I ended up spending a lot of time, like, like sitting around and eating cookies. Like I remember my aunt used to buy these digestive cook. Remember those digestive cookies? With and, like the chocolate on them? With the chocolate the on up? them. Oh
0: yeah. And
1: yeah. and she would buy them and then there would be this, um, there would be a, a like a, a cookie jar in the cupboard where all the coffee and tea stuff was. And I cannot tell you how many times I had my hand in that cookie jar on a daily basis. <laughs> I was like, I, oh my God, I ate so many cookies. And but like, it's interesting
0: because probably being with family, like if eating cookies was kind of the worst thing happening, that's pretty manageable. Like if you had gone to London and been living with someone that you weren't getting along with and feeling all of these feels, like that could have been a very different time in your life, right? Like the fact oh, yeah. that you had family around it probably was a very good, very necessary
1: thing. For sure. For sure. And I mean, the the, the greatest thing was that because of that, so my aunt and uncle were just generous and lovely and wonderful. And they, you know, it was mi casa su casa the whole time. And I really did feel very much at home there. Yeah. There was something about my presence there during that time that felt um necessary. Like I was a good buffer. Um and As much as you
0: needed them, they also needed you, right? Which is a very cool place to find yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It did feel like that. And, you know, I I developed this relationship with Bashley that I never would have been able to foster if it wasn't for that time with her. And, you know, she was she marched in my wedding and I marched in hers and and she's you know, I just I just think the world of her. Yeah, um, I
0: do. Yeah. I do think she's much more like a sister than a typical sort of cousin relationship, right? Yeah. Regardless
1: of the physical space. Yeah. Like yeah. geographical
0: space. And then, so while you were there, obviously you had them and you had sort of their people. Was there like a, a spot you hung out in? Like, did you guys have a regular, I know oh, in yeah. English towns, there's like a pub or a Oh yeah. Yes.
1: Yes. What was your, what was your hang? It was called the post and that was every Friday night. And because this is small town, you know, English countryside, Everything closes at eleven. Everything okay. closes like at eleven a, on the weekends. On the weekends, <laughs> everything closes at eleven.
0: A little different than Toronto, you know. It's and like
1: before going there, I mean, I'd spent my life at karaoke bars singing until three a.m. Which
0: starts at eleven. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Exactly. <laughs> so it was definitely a bit of a a bit of a change for that. Um, but yeah, so we'd go to the pub on Friday nights, and um, and like I said, her like that that friend group of hers there was probably at least 20 of them who had all grown up together and so every week there was some other plan like oh we're all gonna go for a curry and so there'd be like they'd have to reserve a table for 25 people right and then we would all go to the to the town nightclub which was called stages and it was this absolutely <laughs> I mean I don't I I I just can't like wha, what's the I know there was a there's like jersey shore but yeah. in uh south england or so, like or is it essex or what's the essex <laughs> one anyway it was amazing it was pretty it was pretty trashy but pretty so much fun and there was a yeah. lot of nights where we go dancing with this crowd and like we just had such a great time with them they all had such crazy characters and they were all such great people and I miss them dearly and we're all still friends on Facebook. And so, you know, when things happen in their lives, there's still, or in our life, like there's still communication. Um, You know, one friend of his in particular, this guy, Matt, who Devin, I think you'd love him. Like, he's just this (laughs) big, larger than life, uh, hilarious guy. You know, every, every group of friends has that one guy who's just bigger and louder and funnier than everybody else. Sure. Um, that that's (laughs) Matt. And he and I got along like a house on fire as I'm sure you can imagine Um, and, um, and yeah, so he, he got married several years after I left and he came to Toronto to visit while I was pregnant. And it was just, it's so lovely getting to see, getting to see him. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. That's what I think is
0: really, really cool too. And I mean, a a big part of uh, the reason I wanted to do this podcast was to talk about like those longer visits and longer trips, because there's something to be said for getting to know people in different parts of the world where you find these connections, whether it's just having a drink or doing karaoke or whatever it is right? That, that you can't parallel in any other scenario. Like when you go and meet someone and are in their lives and you're the sort of the odd one out, but you have this connector, it's just such a special thing. Like, and I think that's the reason, you know, people are always like, Oh, I'm taking a break from Facebook. And literally I know it's very cliche, but my main reason is like, but I have all these people from Australia or from wherever I've traveled to that I don't want to lose touch with. Yeah. Like that's such a special thing. So.
1: No, it's true. And it's amazing how much closer you can get to those people as a result of being in a traveling situation. I mean, yeah. I was just having this conversation with somebody the other day about how when you travel, it's almost like you're subconsciously more open to experiences that when you're at home, you would never even think about, you know, yeah, just yeah. the idea of, of generosity um, and of Uh, hospitality I think is something that in North America and I mean certainly not Canada I don't know about in the States like I mean you know all, all politics aside there are pockets I'm sure of like southern states where maybe this is some fantasy I have but in my head there are these sort of welcoming hospitable you know you know wandering traveler come stay with me I'll put you up for the night kind of thing. And maybe that's, uh, you know, some romantic view I have of like old school USA, but I I certainly don't think that's where they are anymore. I'm sure there are pockets, but all this to Mm -hmm. say, um, when you're traveling, you know, you meet these people who touch your lives in ways that you just, you never could have expected. And they, for whatever reason sort of become part of your history and your life. And, and Facebook is such a cool way to keep, those people in your life. Whereas before social media, my God, like you'd never hear of or see these people again. Once you forgot their names, they basically stopped existing, you know? Yeah, exactly.
0: And I think, yeah, I think you're right about trusting too. Like you were saying about trusting people. I think that's a very different thing when you travel too, because you're kind of like, okay, well, this is maybe a bit of a risk, but this person's also backpacking through Europe. So I, you know, you have that context, you know, sort of what's up. Maybe they're also Canadian or wherever you meet them from, right? You're meeting people from all over, um, who have similar, you just kind of thrown into this similar experience and it's something that, yeah, I don't think can really be matched. Homegrown is a new art market and cafe opening on the lakeshore in Toronto in the fall of 2020. With a full selection of products from ceramics to jewelry, wall art, books, and more, it's your one-stop neighborhood shop for unique handmade items and gifts. Swing by for coffee with a friend or for weekend brunch. The seasonal, affordable menu will be sure to keep you coming back again and again. Limited items are available online now at homegrownlakeshore.com with shipping and delivery options across the GTA. Make sure to follow at homegrownlakeshore on Facebook and Instagram for updates and news about their grand opening and special deals this
1: fall. So we were doing our backpacking. We were on the train from Venice to Geneva.
0: Okay.
1: And it was an overnight. So we were staying in one of those overnight cars. And so there was a little four, you know, there was two bunk beds and I was on the top bunk and Michelle was underneath me. And across from her, there was this, uh, like, like South Indian dude, uh, named he couldn't sleep, and I couldn't sleep. Michelle fell right to sleep. So he and I just started talking, and he had a very heavy accent. And but you know, it's just, what's your life? Okay, like you sure. know, let's talk about each other's lives. Like, what do you do? What's your life here? Why are you here? Where are you going? Why are you go- Why are you South Indian and going from, you know, Venice? Right. How did you to, end up here on the exact same yeah. train
0: on the exact same yeah. train? Yeah,
1: and so he, apparently his family had paid for him to go to Geneva because in Geneva they have the best hospitality. Uh, uh, program in a school there in the world. And he was, uh, his family was from Goa and they were going to be passing down to him some estate, which was essentially like an amusement park, I think. And But he couldn't inherit this thing until he learned how to run it. And so he had to go to school to learn uh, hospitality, I guess. It wasn't an amusement park. I can't nice. remember what it was, but it was like a hotel rest, like a ho- something a hotel, like a like a theme park that had accommodations or I don't know what. But anyway, sure. so he uh, was going to school in Geneva, and uh, he had been in Venice for I think uh, to see a friend, but so he was on his way back to Geneva to go and work at this restaurant that he was just waiting tables at, and the restaurant was called Sala Thai, and it was a Thai restaurant in Geneva, and. <laughs> And that's where he worked. And that's all I knew about this guy. Yeah. So he tells us in the morning, he's like, Oh, it was so nice to meet you. He's like, if you want, you should come by the restaurant. And you know, well, I'm sure my boss will give you guys some free appetizers or something if you come by the restaurant during the day. And we're like, Oh, okay, we'll see how that goes. (laughs) Like, ha ha ha. Um, you know, we just didn't want to Like, because Michelle had slept through our entire interaction, she didn't trust this guy as far as she could throw him. And so she just sort of was just brushing him off. Like, we don't need this guy. And because he wasn't, like, some hot dude she could bang, like, she like he didn't have time for him. Yeah, I hate to say it. She kind of wrote him off. Anyway, we get off the train, we say our goodbyes, and we go to our hostel to check in. And the hostel does not have a record of our reservation. Oh, no. And we went, what do you mean? Okay, well then can we stay? And they're like, sorry, we're all booked up for tonight. And we're like, oh my God, oh my God. And this is before like smartphones. So yeah. we had to like find a, um, an internet cafe to go and go to the hostel website to go find another place to stay. it was a whole thing. And we were like, oh yeah. God, I don't know what to do. And, um, so we were like, we thought we were going to be homeless for the night. And so we ended up going to this restaurant to go and talk to our new friend Sudit. Nice. And Michelle was very skeptical, but I was like, it's okay, it's okay. Like, I feel like he'd help us. Like, he was so nice, I think he'd help us. And Michelle's like, I don't know about this. So we go to Salatai, and the whole thing is, like, it was landscaped with these, like, thick, heavy bushes all around the patio. And peering over these bushes, I see Sudit, like, waiting tables out on the patio. <laughs> and so, like, it was honestly a scene in a movie where I was like, Like I was trying to get him to look over (laughs) and he looked over and he saw me and he ran over and he's just like, what's going on? What's wrong? And I said, we don't have a place to stay tonight. Like our hostel doesn't have a reservation and I don't know what to do. And he's like, okay, okay, okay. Stay here for one second. I'll be right back. So he leaves for a second, comes back, gives us the keys to his apartment and written instructions on how to get there. And says, oh my god! Go, go to my go to my place. Go stay there. I get off in you know two hours, and then I'll come, and then I'll be home after that. And I'm oh like, my oh god. my god! Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So we take the instructions, we take the keys, and we start walking. Well, we had no frigging clue where we were going. The instructions <laughs> were totally unclear. We almost <laughs> got lost, and we said, "Fuck it, let's just go back." So yeah. we'll just we'll just camp out outside the restaurant until he's done, and then walk back with him. So well, that's what we did. So we literally like <laughs> sat on the sidewalk outside of this restaurant playing cards uh, until until he came until he until stopped your new working. Friend
0: was ready. Yeah.
1: Oh my gosh. So, so he gets off work and we all go back to his place and we stayed up until four o'clock in the morning, just talking about. Yeah, everything and anything under the sun he fed us but he fed us this like traditional like like go in dish that his mother like m- had made and sent over or something and it was this meat and we had to eat it with our fingers and so our fingers were all covered in the sauce and I just rem- like I'll never forget like the the way I felt that night I was so tired and I was so desperate to go to sleep and I was so full I couldn't eat another bite but I just did not want to sleep. like it was like one of, of the course, best nights yeah. of the whole trip um, That's amazing. Yeah. And then, you know, the next day we said goodbye and we left him. Um, and we thanked him profusely. And actually we ended up that night going for dinner at Salatai where he was nice. our waiter and we got all kinds of free stuff from the chef. Uh, and it was amazing. And that was, that was the end so of that, special. but it's just, you know, and then him and I became friends on Facebook, like several years later, once Facebook yeah. was around and, you know, I think he's still on my Facebook. I, I don't know what's going on with him now, but like it's just people like that like those experiences are just, are just like yeah they're priceless
0: that's also I love that because he was basically airbnb before airbnb was a thing <laughs> right like that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that sort of it, it always happened on trips it's just it wasn't you know maybe as officially vetted but yeah. I love that yeah is there a um is there like an album or an artist that or a song even that just sort of like reminds you of that trip every time you're out you're like oh that takes me right back
1: um the uh the uh, soundtrack to Garden State. Nice. Yeah. Oh, such
0: a good soundtrack. That's yeah. so good. Yeah.
1: The soundtrack to Garden nice. State was a big one. Um, yeah. Probably also, uh, sorry if this ruins it a little bit for you, but um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, This Left Feels Right, which is Bon Jovi's uh, acoustic album, where he basically nice. takes all of the songs from like Crossroads and does them uh, with just a guitar and kind of adds this kind of tw- twang to it so okay. it's like imagine living on the prayer but like super slow and like romantic it. it's such a I mean it's a it's a really um. understated probably undervalued album yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm a
0: big believer in like, and this could be a whole music podcast, but like, I'm a big believer in, in artists doing what they want to do. And some people just want them to keep, you no, know, keep doing what we love, keep doing what we know. But like, I'm like, no, do it. Like yeah. It's Justin Timberlake. Every album he has sounds so different because he's like, that's me growing as an artist and as a person. And as of now a husband and father, but people are like, no, I just want you to do the same thing. It's like, no, I yeah. can do what they want to do. They're the artist, But I love that. Yeah. Yep. Um, Friends for so long- was another big one oh nice yeah yeah and these all these all like set the time yeah how long did you how long did you end up there and and why did you decide to come back like what kind of called you home eventually
1: um so uh so yeah so all all told I was there from the end of May until December 7th I'll never forget that December 7th was the day I came home Mm -hmm. um I I think I think it was my uh My trip to meet um, Megan in Glasgow, um, that that sort of ended things for me. I think I was really depressed and upset, and just not. I wasn't very happy there. And I mean, I had a job while I was there, which is a whole other story. That
0: right, whole other episode. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I mean that that job was just ridiculous. So I had saved up from working there um, to meet my friend Megan in. Glasgow. So she was doing a lot of travel for business at the time. I think she worked for Expedia at the time and, um, or, or some other travel website. And, mm-hmm. um, so she was going to Paris, I believe, uh, for work. And because I was in London, she said, well, let's meet each other somewhere for a weekend or for like, right. you know, for two nights. So we picked, right. we picked Glasgow cause neither of us had ever been there. So, um, we, You know, we bought the tickets, we booked a hotel, we had everything planned and ready to go. And I, um, the, the, the day of travel, I went, I got on the plane and I went and I got to Glasgow and it was pretty foggy, but it was fine. And I'm waiting and I'm waiting and Megan's not showing up and I'm going, where the hell is she? Mm -hmm. Where the hell is she? Suddenly I get, now I'm trying to remember exactly how the message came through. I think it was in an email.
0: I was going to say, yeah, still no smartphones. So No, there was no smartphones.
1: I actually, I don't know if it was an email or if it was a call into the hotel. But essentially what Mm. happened was Megan Megan got stuck in Paris because the fog was so horrible that she couldn't fly. And Mm. the, the flight kept getting postponed, 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 and then eventually moved to the next day. So... I found out that she wasn't coming that day from my aunt, who called me at the hotel, who found out from my grandmother, who found out from my mom, <laughs> because that's the only oh person God. whose phone number Megan had to call. Oh my God. So, I mean, it was just a whole thing in order to get a hold of me to let me know. So, right. once I knew that Megan wasn't going to be coming, I mean, that was literally my first night ever in a city alone. And I was petrified. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um because the whole time I'd been traveling either with somebody else or staying with other people or just sort of being with other people I was never alone mm-hmm. and then so that was my first night alone and it was like you know early it was like late November or early December and I remember you know there's this big main street in Glasgow where it's just all shops and shopping and I walked down by myself in the dark to this Christmas market and uh I went into a bookstore I bought the thickest most like trashy chiclet novel I could find (laughs) because I was just like, I just need to keep myself occupied because I'm so scared. Um, But once I felt comfortable enough, like I took myself out for a lovely dinner and I had a glass of wine and it was like the first night where I was like, I'm actually comfortable in my own skin being here in this restaurant alone. And actually that's like kind of the beginnings of like what developed for me as being like a true love of dining alone. I actually quite enjoy doing that every once in a while. Um, But but so eventually, so the next day Megan shows up and, you know, we catch up and we have this amazing 24 hours together, but I think it was during that time. I think I was just convinced that my life is back in Toronto. Right. I, I missed, I missed Brian. I missed my family. I missed Megan. I missed all my new theater friends that, yeah. um, that I had left behind and just, you know, the life I had, I just, I missed it. And I knew that I was driving myself into a bit of a, a self-destructive hole. Like I'd mm-hmm. already put on 10 pounds while I was there too much, co- too many cookies. <laughs> I mean, thankfully at the time I was not a drinker. Like I, I didn't drink, mm-hmm. I didn't do any drugs. Like I was just eating. That was my voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that was kind of the decision for me on top of me having this heart to heart with my mom, which My mom and I are not like, we're we're not, I don't know. I don't want to say we're not heart to heart people, but we just don't have them often. And when we do, they're really lovely. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I told my mother that I really missed Brian and that I'm starting to miss things. And she said, well, listen, she said, have you ever seen the movie When Harry Met Sally? (laughs) And I said, yeah, why? And she's like, go watch it again. There's a great line in that movie that I think you'll, you need to hear. And so I go, and this is back when there was still a blockbuster in Chesham. I rented when Harry met Sally. Nice. nice. <laughs> and I, I watched it. And uh, at the very end, when Billy Crystal comes running into the New Year's Eve party, he says, the thing about, the thing about deciding who you want to be with is you know, is that you, you can't Oh, God, I'm going to paraphrase this so horribly. It, as soon as so you like, know you, who you, want, you, wanted, you don't want to wait to start. That's it. it. Like because as soon yeah, as you know who yeah. you want to start the who, who you want to spend the rest of your life with, you want the rest of your life to start right away.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: And that was it. That was how I kind of decided she was right, and so I made a decision, uh, quite, like quietly. It was just sort of Brian and I who decided together that I was going to come home, um, mm-hmm. but we didn't tell anybody. We thought we were going to make it this huge surprise. Um, except that I think we had to tell Megan because there had to be some ruse or there had to, somebody had to pick me up at the, at the airport to take, because there was this whole plan where it's like, (laughs) my family was going to be out at, out to dinner and Megan and Brian were going to pick me up at the airport. And then we were going to drive to the restaurant where my family was and walk in and surprise them. And so it was like a whole big thing. And I was so, so, so excited. So I get off the plane. They're there waiting for me at the airport. It was like the best, you know, welcome back, hello ever. And then um, we went to this restaurant and walk in the door and my family goes, and we walk in and we go, surprise, and I'm already in tears because I'm so excited to see all these people. (laughs) And I was so like overwhelmed at the idea that I was surprising them, that they would be so happy. And immediately they all ignored me. They went <laughs> oh my god Megan and Brian I'm so happy to see you oh, they're such assholes. and I had realized Aww. I realized in that moment I was definitely home <laughs> like, yeah it was like the double cross yeah that they never
0: lived that's, down that's that's typical of your family that's classic it was a classic fine move for yeah.
1: sure for sure <laughs>
0: wanted to take a second to promote a local business that's near and dear to my heart and actually near and dear to the essence of this podcast. The Home and Away jewelry collection celebrates the nostalgia, pride, and aspiration of place. Inspired by local maps, Home and Away transforms your favorite locations into simple, wearable, geometric art. Choose from over 60 Canadian locations, including neighborhoods, cities, provinces, rural routes, and parks. Each silver or gold necklace is handmade one at a time by artist Shoshana Farber in her Toronto studio. I have a Toronto map necklace. I wear it all the time. I cannot tell you how many compliments and questions i get about it check out the entire collection at homeandaway.shop or on insta at home and away underscore show designs that's home and away underscore s-h-o-w-s-h designs also offering free express shipping right now within canada with the promo code free ship check them out support spawn business and now back to the show and then so you came back and have you uh have you been back and when you've been back has it felt like really different or felt like a part of you or
1: um yeah, I have been back. I've been back a few times and yes, it absolutely feels like a part of me. And yeah. you know, I I miss driving on the that side of the road. Um yeah. and <laughs> it was always fun to do that. And I just I love showing other people. Like I love taking Brian and being like, Well, this is this is where I lived and this is where I worked and this is what happened here and um you yeah. know, this on this is the street where this thing is. And I just love like there is something so lovely about knowing where you are and how to get places like having your um uh, your sense of direction, uh, yeah. when you're not at home and me being like, oh yeah, let's go over to Sainsbury's. I'll take you there. And I'll just like drive him to the parking lot and know how to get there yeah. without looking at a map. Like that was always the most exciting thing.
0: Yeah. Um, and it's funny. I always found like when you do go, when you go back somewhere that you've been and know really well, and you do do that then you're like, Oh, right. These places have just been here the whole time. Like I've been growing and changing and living my life and growing your family or whatever. And you go back and you're like, yep, still the same route to get there. Right. Yeah. Still the same booths. Like it's so Except, cool. To, yeah.
1: There's also something kind of sad though, about that. And that when things do change, you feel like a part of your memory is, is lost because
0: yeah, you're right. That's the there was um yeah.
1: one of the things I did because you know, my, the job that I had, uh, wasn't like a nine to five kind of job. It was either you work the morning shift or the afternoon shift and the morning shift started at 7am, but you were done by like three. And then Mm -hmm. the afternoon you didn't start until I want to say like two or something like that. Um, and so I had a, and, and you only worked, I was only part time. So I only worked like three or four shifts a week. So Mm -hmm. I had a lot of time where I was literally just doing nothing. Like, so I would go on these big long walks and I'd walk into, you know, I'd walk over to the high street. Um, And I would spend a lot of time sitting in this coffee shop called Cafe Nero, which is a big chain in the UK. Um, And the last time I went back, they had converted it to a Costa coffee, which is like a big, it's like the difference between second cup and Starbucks here. Oh, man. So it's like the second cup that I loved so much has now been converted to a Starbucks. And it's like, oh, man, (laughs)
0: that's not the same, not
1: the same.
0: Um, once 2020 is over and the world is back to some sort of normal, where's your next trip? Like, where's your bucket list trip?
1: So, (laughs) so actually, I mean, truthfully, I think it would be, um, it would be going back to England. Um, but so it's funny because before the lockdown, I was actually angling to try and take a trip to LA for work. And I love Los Angeles. Like I really, Mm -hmm. really love it there. Um, and as much as I love it there... I cannot see myself stepping foot in the U.S. for several years to come for any reason whatsoever. And I love all my American friends. I really, truly do, but I have no interest in going there right now. Um, So certainly to England. However, there's been this plan in my family for a few years now where my mom really, really wanted to rent rent a chalet or a house or a castle or something somewhere in the South of France and okay. have our entire family go for like a month or, th- or nice. at a minimum, like two weeks, or at least have them rent the place and have me and my brothers or, and, you know, other family come and go throughout the time that they're there. Right. And, um, my
0: reserve a room for me. And oh yeah, them. for sure.
1: <laughs> we'll be there. My grandmother just passed away, sadly, a couple months ago. And um, she would have been the thing holding us all back from doing it because we couldn't have left to go anywhere. I mean, COVID notwithstanding, we couldn't have left while she was sort of in decline. So um, now that she is no longer in the picture, you know, it's sort of now or never. And Mm -hmm. so it's my mom and my uncle who lives in England who are trying to arrange this. And it's just getting everybody at the same time on board yeah. To to make it happen, so that's actually probably going to be the next trip, and the the hope is that we do it next August.
0: Nice, I love it. Yeah, that's super cool. It's funny you were talking about LA. I'm I'm picturing like the little village you lived in as like um in the holiday, like the Kate Winslet house that Cameron
1: Diaz. <laughs> oh, it's and lives exactly in. that.
0: And then you also love LA, which is like the Cameron Diaz home that Kate Winslet goes and lives in. So you could basically act out the movie. Love
1: <laughs> um, it. You've just you've just uncovered my entire personality, Tevin.
0: Huge thanks to our guests for joining us today and to you for listening. This podcast wouldn't be possible without my producing partner and audio engineer, Rich De Silva who really does all the hard work and makes sure each episode sounds amazing. All the music in this episode, including the theme song, comes from The Agenda. Alro, Mark Rankin, Will Hebbs, and Rich DeSilva. If you have made a big move and want to chat about it on the show, send us an email at bigmovespodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Tell your friends. Leave us a review. We'd super appreciate that. And follow us on Instagram at bigmovespodcast for both bonus material and amazing throwback travel photos of all of our guests.